Welcome to the latest Water College Aquarium Gallery podcast, brought to you from the Aquarium Rush Studios in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. My name is Ben. I'm Amy. And I'm Charles. Today we're going to talk about all of those beginner mistakes with planet aquariums. <laughs> yes, we don't get to talk about plants nearly enough in this podcast. Yeah, but... <laughs> Before we do that, we need to do a shameless plug. <laughs> Yay, shameless plug, shameless plug. Please stop by the gallery. If you're anywhere within a few hours of Grand Rapids, we will make it worth your while. But also check out watercoloursaquariumgallery.com for merch, for live plants, for aquarium supplies. Um, if you're looking for anything else, just let us know. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Generally cool stuff. Maybe exclusively cool stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Are, are our toolkits on the website yet? No, because I wasn't sure if we were going to sell out too fast, but I think I should save a handful back so we can get them to the people who listen to the podcast. Ooh, an exclusive Watercolors Aquarium Gallery podcast listeners group. Uh-huh. I like that. Just, we've got so many good fans from all around the world, and it's not fair that only our local people get to see them. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're on something there. Cool. So, uh, yeah, look for those coming soon. They are um, custom watercolors aquarium gallery um, aquascaping tools. Yeah. They're awesome. They turned out so cool. I like them very much. It makes me happy to see them. Same. I like things that make me happy. <laughs> Speaking of things that make me happy, planet aquariums make me happy. Yeah. I have screwed a lot of planet aquariums up. I have intentionally screwed up a lot of aquarium <laughs> gallery <laughs> tanks. The conversations that we're going to have today are probably what make up the bulk of our in-store interactions. I think that's true. So it'll be it'll be an interesting one. It's not going to be rants because listen, it's really easy to just go off course a little bit in a planted tank, especially at the beginning. Oh, I'm going to rant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to rant. I might rant. Might maybe just a little. Just small ones. Maybe a few rant. But mine are like just those easy to avoid pitfalls that maybe just could use a little bit more thought or a different way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. What was your philosophy? Hmm. My philosophy was <laughs> don't make the mistakes I've made. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Mine was as soon as we talked about this topic, I thought, oh, that'll be easy because immediately one came to mind. And that was like this blaring, boom, this is it. And then the rest of them were, I had to work a little harder at, but I didn't think I would have to work hard at it because of how quickly the first one came to mind. So. Yeah. Without further ado. <laughs> well, I can start us off with a good general one that I see happening a lot these days in the era of social media in the way that we're getting most of our information off of the internet following the wrong blueprint oh that's an interesting one so looking at a picture of a tank let's say a tank with co2 with a really stunning carpet and then following the advice of somebody who's got let's say a medium growth tank where they're doing an all-in-one fertilizer i want it to look like this but the, this is what I have. Exactly. Yeah. So listen to whoever has had the tank that you want for the longest. That's uh, a good way to think of it. <laughs> I want something that performs like a race car, but I'm going to maintain it like a Lexus. <laughs> exactly. You want a $25 Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> so just adjusting the way that you're looking at things and who you're listening to can make a big difference. Yeah, if you're looking at a high-tech tank in Tokyo 
don't listen to someone who's growing Anubius in, let's say, the Pacific Northwest, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if you're looking at someone who has a high-tech tank in Tokyo and they say this is the only way to do it, don't listen to them either. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. The true. amount of shaming that seems to happen in Planted Aquarium forums where people go off on, this is the only way to do it, and if you do it like this, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. I think we even had that on one of our, was mm-hmm. it one of our YouTube videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had a, a long, and we may get some of this on this because there is so. that sense of, like there, there's this one size fits all solution, and there's a lot of this that's gonna look just like our saltwater discussion, but the main difference is that most people are just using tap water. So there, there, there's this huge variable that's so different between so many different tanks that to not even talk about that is insane and nobody ever does. Did you did you have tap water as your... No, save that. Save that. Okay, <coughs> good. Yes, but I, I see where you're going with that. And um, yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, that's something yeah. that I'm going to come back to a handful of times because in, in our testing and just through the logic of how things grow, water makes a difference. Well, that and like you're also like you look at freshwater environments in nature and they're highly variable. Mm-hmm. And Incredible. and so like like you look at a reef and they're fairly like one reef on one side of the world is amazingly similar to reef on the other side of the world. Yeah, I think it's safe to say in the, in the saltwater environment that as long as you're from the same latitude, you could pick, not that you should do this, right? But you could pick anything from that latitude and grow it under op- the, the same conditions of, from another latitude, right? So if you would take a reef crest coral from the Caribbean and a reef crest coral from the Pacific and a reef crest coral from the Indian Ocean, they are going to be growing under the exact same conditions. Yeah, and I know some guy out there is going to be like, well, the Red Sea is saltier than the Atlantic Ocean, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you're right, but hear me out. Saltwater is fairly consistent around the world. Like, you're going to have a salinity, a specific gravity somewhere around uh, 1.022 to 1.023, maybe... Two uh, seven. Two seven. I think the, two seven. I think the Red Sea gets as high as like uh, three, four. So I don't think it gets that high. It, it's pretty salt. It's like uh, in uh, salinity, it's actually like 40 PPT. Wow. It can be, get pretty high, but here's the thing. Like that entire range is also like... Like that's a difference between like 380 parts per million calcium and like 450. Yeah, uh, and like, by the way, uh, we hardly keep any corals from the Red Sea. Yeah, period. Right. So like so anyway, the, that that was going off on corals. Yeah. Comparing that to the variation that happens in a freshwater environment, where the pH can be anywhere from three to like nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> TDS could be barely over zero or four or five hundred. You know? The temperature range can be ten degrees or fifty degrees. We're talking simply tropical. Yeah. But I was just in Belize, and the air temperature was up to one hundred and nine, and. Later on in the season, it'll get down into the 50s. So there we go. There's almost a 60 degree temperature range. And in the ocean, 
around the coral reefs, that water temperature is going to be between 74 and 82. Yeah, there are definitely some people who will see that as even a greater argument to start with RODI water for fresh water, remineralize to a certain amount, keep it consistent, whatever. But the organisms that are in these environments are so adaptable that your local tap water can grow plants. Just period. So why do it? Unless you've got a pH over eight. Yeah. Then you you could start to run into problems. Yeah. But I think that's the classic takeaway from that is uh, freshwater ecosystems vary tremendously. And thank goodness they do. That's why we have so many cool freshwater fish, mm-hmm. right? And freshwater plants, because that's what we're talking about is plants. Um, but that means freshwater planted aquariums can vary tremendously as well. All this was just a very long way of giving context for, well... There's a lot of opinions about planted aquariums, and I'm sorry, but a lot of them are right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just yeah. not the only way. Mm-hmm. I think Amy's good takeaway from that would be find a tank you like and do what that person did. Yeah. Make sure the tank's been going for a while, not like a right. for a setup. Yeah. Good one. Using an all-in-one fertilizer without testing your source water. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, save it. <laughs> yep. Yep, for sure. um, That's huge right now. It's it huge. Is. Most of our customers, mm, probably 50-50 are using all-in-ones. 50% we've convinced off of them. Right. It, it's, a, it's a tough one because I want to, to be competitive. We should have our own water colors all-in-one fertilizer. But we don't want one because it's not the right way to do it in many situations. Yeah, even within like the regular customers that come within here with that are within a few counties of us, the pH can be anywhere from and this is just one variable, anywhere from six point five to eight point five. Yeah. Like how do you how do you account for that? How is that all in one? You can't. The big one for me is and all right, we're gonna talk about, about water chemistry and uh, municipal water supplies for a little bit. Right, um, for in many municipal water systems, where there's a lot of older buildings, particularly east of the Mississippi, a lot of the plumbing still has lead in it. I know for for a fact that there are still lead pipes in my house. I pulled some plumbing apart, and uh, I picked up a pipe. I'm like, wow, this feels kind of weird. And then I Superman bent it. <laughs> like, oh, well, that was lead. Right, because lead is lead is soft, and so phosphate binds with lead. So a lot of municipalities will add phosphates to the tap water, so that it will bond to lead pipes, and then it forms a protective coating of phosphate on that lead, so the phosphate can't leach out into your drinking water. You mean that, the lead can't leach out into yeah, your drinking? Lead can't leach out. Thank you. Lead can't leach out. Into your drinking. That's what happens here in, in Grand Rapids. Yes. And I know <laughs> Flint did that, and they had some issues. Many of you probably heard about the Flint water crisis. That had everything to do with phosphate content coating lead pipes. So that means that if phosphate is added to the tap water, you don't need as much phosphate in your fertilizer. If any at all. If any at all. So if you're using an all-in-one fertilizer, you're probably overdosing phosphate. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say this. Every all-in-one that I've taken the time to pick apart the chemistry of, I've been impressed with it. And then my immediate reaction was, this was very clearly designed in this city, though. Yes. Yeah. more designed in, in cities where the tap water is way more inert than it is yeah. in the Midwest. Yeah. The problem comes down to me is that all-in-one fertilizers aren't. Like, I people will come in and say, I'm using this fertilizer. My plants are looking stunted. Okay, well, then you probably need to add iron or potassium just like everybody else. So what is your all-in-one fertilizer doing for you other than adding more nitrate and phosphate, which you probably don't need? Right. Right. That's the other one is nitrates, right? Fertilizer. NPK is how fertilizers are designed, which NPK is nitrate, phosphate, potassium. And if you go to your local garden store and you look at fertilizers for various applications, it'll have the NPK numbers right on it. That's the main ingredients of fertilizer. So in West Michigan, if we have phosphate in the tap water, if, uh, oh, by the way, we're doing water changes to try and keep nitrates down, what do we need to add? I have a planted tank at home that the only thing I dose is potassium. Exactly. (laughs) So one of my points was being afraid of fertilizer is a mistake that a lot of people make. And I think that's why people go to all-in-ones. I'm not trying to skip ahead. It just kind of felt like it's a little bit appropriate here. Mm -hmm. And I broke down what fertilizers we use and why. Because once you explain it to people, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Nitrate and phosphate are going to occur naturally in your tank through decomposition. You need it, but you don't really need to worry about it. And if you have a dirt substrate, that's the best place for them to get it. Iron is great for when new growth needs to happen. Your plants are growing quick. You want to feed that growth. It's got the impression that iron makes red plants. Iron makes new growth. New growth is more red. Perfect. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're going too much, the new growth that you're going to get is going to be algae if your plants aren't otherwise growing. Mm -hmm. Potassium is necessary for sustained growth. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those three things, but you're not going to get it as much through decomposition. You're either relying on your tap water for it relying on an all-in-one to keep a consistent concentration, which is difficult, or you're adding it yourself, which pretty much everyone who's using an all-in-one fertilizer needs to do eventually. Yeah, bump up potassium. And fun fact, I have, of the myriad of different parameters I've gotten around in here in West Michigan, uh, I have yet to see water out of the tap that I said, this has enough potassium in it. Mm-hmm. But just West Michigan Agreed. just does not seem to have an abundance of potassium. No. And no. from there, there's a whole laundry list of other things that plants need that they need in a certain concentration, but it's going to be really hard to narrow in on exactly what, exactly how. So just a good general mineral mix with maybe a little bit of extra stuff in it. Perfect. Perfect. Now, somebody right now is screaming at their speaker. <laughs> I'm sure. Right. You have to have fertilizer in your tank or your plants don't grow. Mine didn't grow until I started adding fertilizer. So. <laughs> it's fine back. Apparently I got a little excited about that one. Um, my answer to that would be, did you analyze your tap water? What's in your tap water? Because your tap water could be completely different. Your tap water might not have any phosphates in it at all. And like... If your TDS is really low, if you're in one of those areas where the tap water comes out really inert, you might not have anything in your tap water. It could be closer to pure water. 
and then you might need to add an all-in-one might be exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. But you won't know until you test. You won't yeah. know until you test. And for if you're fine with kind of a low-growth system that may or may not have a little more algae than you like, all-in-ones are great for that. Yeah, for sure. But if you're trying to achieve a specific result, then use a specific method, and it's not that much more complicated. We use Seacom products because we know they're well-researched and consistent, but it's we use Flourish or Iron once a week or every other week. We use potassium two or three times a week. That's it. It's simple. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Plants grow. I like it. And, and we have nutrient-rich substrate. That's the idea. Not to take yours over, Charles. Did you have more to say about all-in-ones? I get really <laughs> salty about we that do. one. I don't think I did. I think, I mean, we have a wonderful video where Ben and Amy forced me to spend three months testing four different (laughs) lines of fertilizers on a YouTube channel. Uh, 100% check that out because Mm -hmm. I put way too much effort into that for Mm -hmm. people not to look at it. (laughs) It's so worth it too. The conclusions that we came up with were, were pretty illuminating. Yeah, I was really shocked that my conclusion at the end was, wow, all these is a well made product. Some of these are completely useless to me here in my specific situation. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think, something, a point that we need to drive home. The, the really popular all-in-one that everybody seems to think is the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, is produced and distributed by a company out of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people out there about what their water is like. And, man, I'm jealous. Because, like, uh, like, Apistos and... Uh, Anything that doesn't like hard water does way better out there because there's nothing in their tap water. They almost don't need to use an RO system for a reef tank because their water just comes out like water. They might benefit greatly from an all-in-one. Oh, yeah. I, uh, having spent a lot of time with it, I fully believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We don't have that here. And lots of other places don't have that, too. Yeah. yeah, I use it to uh, make green water. <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of people that have used it to make green water, only not on purpose. Well, <laughs> I'm trying it on purpose now, now that I know how to do it consistently. I've seen a lot of people use it to give themselves a potassium deficiency. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. right. yeah. we definitely don't have enough of that in Grand Rapids. Not I in our think, water. I think it's really the case here that you know, people talk about low-tech, medium-tech, and high-tech planet aquariums, which is sometimes gets a little tricky to define. Mm-hmm. All of it is going to have to do with how fast your plants grow. Yeah, I really liked uh, Jeff Miyake being like high energy, low energy. That made mm-hmm. way more intuitive sense to me. That is a that is perfect. That's yeah. the right way to describe it. Because you can have a controllable light on a low-light tank. Like, the technology yeah. has nothing to do with it. It's how you're trying to maintain your tank. Right. If you are going for high growth CO2, high energy system, you probably will need to fertilize and add nitrate and phosphate to it. Yeah. In Michigan, particularly West Michigan, you're going to need to add a greater ratio of potassium no matter what. Yeah. So there we go. All in one fertilizers. Art. (laughs) We beat that horse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to hear of long-term results using just one all-in-one i want to see it show me pictures tell me what your methods are what your 
what your routine is. And tell me what your tap water is like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's been something that's been interesting to learn about from mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. listeners from far away. Dramatic differences. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going with uh, the one that seemed the most obvious to me. Fair. The one that like, oh yeah, that'll be an easy topic because this one just popped into my head immediately. Classic beginner. I'm doing my first planet aquarium. I've got my nice planet aquarium light. I'm getting eco-complete or whatever my planet aquarium substrate is of choice. Now let's pick out some plants. I'll take those two. No! Plant the hell out of it from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Planting too slowly was the first one I wrote down. Was it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's one of my alternates. Yeah, it was. It was for me. That was. That was the first, the very first. If your goal is a planet aquarium, spend as much on plants as you did on the tank and the substrate combined. Mm-hmm. I just made that formula up in my head, but right. I think it tracks. Yeah, it's this... as if you're buying your plants online and not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's, it's a newer idea for me that I've started really wrapping my head around and really like accepting because, um, it's, uh, getting easier and easier for me to start thinking of an aquarium as not just a thing that holds my fish, but like a a little ecosystem. And, uh, like, uh, I had a couple situations recently where someone was like, I'm getting this algae problem. I'm holding off on getting plants until uh, getting more plants until yada, yada, yada. And I said, actually probably the best thing for you is to get more plants right here, right now, because it's a direct competitor for the things that, that algae is using to grow. Yeah. Like you're either growing algae or plant. Like it's, it's a, as simple as that. And that's like, people get guilty. Like when you tell them that you're like, they're like, things aren't going well and I can reward myself with more. Mm-hmm. No, I need to punish myself. Let's turn the lights off and not look at it anymore. You know? <laughs> no, more plants. Not every plant that you add to your tank is going to be successful. I'll say that right now. Yeah. You're going to add one or two things that don't like the fertilizer you're using, that don't like the light you have. Tons of things will. Tons. You know why I like Crips so much? They like everything. Well, they like the tanks that I run. <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, this is probably five or six years ago, a, a customer come in, come in and say, okay, I got everything going. Um, I was in the other day and I bought all the equipment and I bought all the stuff and uh, I bought the plants and now I'm getting algae. And I don't know why because I've got the really good light and I'm dosing with a little bit of fertilizer and... Um, algae is just showing up and we talked about it for a while and it took a while for me to go okay and see see a picture of your tank and they had this would have been five six years ago i don't remember what light it was but it was a a a medium to higher output planet aquarium light eco complete canister filter all the right stuff and they started with it was a it was a it was a 29 gallon tank and they started with four plants So think of it as energy units. Energy units going into a tank are going to be used by something. If you're putting in a bunch of energy, 
you need to have a bunch of things you want using that energy or something else will. Algae. Mm-hmm. So it, it was exactly what was happening. If they had they did done everything right, except that tank should have had 20 or 30 plants at the start. And you're going to be happier with it. You're going to like it from the get-go. You're going to like it from the start. Yeah. And it's easy to to try and choose only bulletproof plants like Anubias, like Crips, like Java ferns that are all really slow growth and not using that many resources, not very competitive. Got to have at least one or two things in there that's going to grow almost as fast as algae. Yeah, put a bunch of, of Val in there. Mm-hmm. Put a bunch of Rotala in there. Put something in there that's going to grow fast or just fill it with yeah. slow-growing plants so the light can't reach the bottom. Yes. Yeah gets stuck on the leaves of the plants and, the, and then grows the plants. One of my favorite setups that we've done recently is that guy with the 10 gallon with Betahendra, where he knew the fish that he wanted, mm. saw that we had it, was like, all right, I'm getting started. Came and bought the tank, bought driftwood, sent us a picture that day and it looked like a tank that had been set up for six months. Got all the plants. Ambulia, Crips, Anubias, couple of other stems. And within a week, it was cycled, and he had fish in it, and it was full, and it was a mature tank. Perfect. Don't torture yourself. Yeah. Let's have fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to sound like a sales pitch, because yes, we sell aquarium plants. And yes, we do want you to buy more. But you will be happier if you do it that way. Mm -hmm. Just go all out. There's always room for another plant or two. Yep. And if there's not, trim them and bring them back. Let's yeah, get a different one. Exactly. Spend a hundred bucks on plants. You're gonna spend a hundred bucks on fish. Spend a hundred bucks on plants. Mm-hmm. You'll love it. You'll thank us. And your tank will be full and gorgeous. And have less energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, there. Great there's one. my number one. Good one. Great one. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I already did my second one. Do you want mm-hmm. me to skip it, or do you want me to yeah, do I'm another one? Skip you. Okay, you can skip me. Okay. I, I've got plenty, but plenty we'll get to we'll get to most of them anyway. You have plenty of backups? I do. Well, you can do one of those then. I mean, I'll do, I'll do a little short, simple one that too many brand new beginners make, substrate choice. So choosing the right substrate early means that you will have a lot of an easier time as I, you're going. That one is mine too. Is it? Yeah. yeah that's right. That's good. I put a mildly related idea. So why don't you do your rant and then I'll see how, if I have to <laughs> see if quote, we cover it all. Yeah. 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 So my rant is this is such an easy decision to get right that getting it wrong is a little bit ridiculous because <laughs> plain gravel, natural brown gravel will do just fine. If you want some plants, whatever, you can do that. But just starting with something that has a little bit more surface area for plants to grip or please, please, if you really want plants, just bite the bullet and start with dirt. It's so much easier. That's my two things. A specifically designed planet aquarium substrate. Mm -hmm. Be that eco-complete, be that fluorite, Mm -hmm. be that one of the many amazing, incredible dirt substrates that are out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Just don't do sand. Don't do coated gravel. Maybe natural gravel doesn't work for most people either, but it can. No no clown puke. No clown puke. (laughs) No clown puke. No black coated either. Get natural black. Also, I want to blast blacks blasting sand. Oh, jeez. That one's really rough, by the way. Um, A, not great for plants, but B... uh, 
don't ever use it with quarry cats. It's actually oh, yeah. on a microscopic level pretty sharp because it's a type of ferric oxide. Like that color is not like quote unquote sand. It it's rust. It's blasting sand. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's um, it's the equivalent of you making floors out of uh, broken glass. Yes. To a quarry cat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And people get it because they want to protect the little barbels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what protects the little barbels really well? Dirt. Dirt. <laughs> and plants. And plants. <laughs> they yep. love plants. Yep. A good light-colored sand is also fine for the barbels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for a good number of plants, but it's going to limit your selections. True. Yeah. Yeah. Did we, go, did we do enough about substrates? I mean, we're talking about <laughs> beginner planet aquariums here, Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah I, it's just buy plant substrate. That's my, that's my number one message. Buy yeah. something designed for plants. I worded it as specifically tr- uh, trying to, quote unquote, make it work with the wrong substrate. Mm. Because yeah. I see a lot of people who want to upgrade to Planet Aquarium. And I think a lot of situations, like I can see a lot of people getting getting away yeah. with not doing that. But I think a lot of people would find life way easier for a lot less effort if they just took the few hours one afternoon on the weekend yeah. and exchange the subs right and just start it over a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's how you do it. It's really easy. Okay. Let's say you have a 20 gallon aquarium. You go buy three, five gallon buckets. Yes. I said three, not four. I can do the math. Not well, <laughs> but I can do that math. Right? So he can do four times five. I we can. know that yes. for sure. Yes. I only want 15 gallons. Okay. <laughs> Fill one five gallon bucket. With water, out of your aquarium. Of course, after you've turned all the good enough. Catch all of your fish, put it in that five-gallon bucket. Fill the other two five-gallon buckets and put the decor that's going back into the tank into those five-gallon buckets, now filled with water. Take the rest of the water and dump it. Get rid of your substrate. Put in your new substrate. Put in about a gallon or two of water. Take the decor out you're going to use. Plant the hell out of your aquarium. (laughs) (laughs) Pour the other two, pour two of the buckets of water back into your tank and then gently pour the fish back into your tank and then top off the aquarium so you've done a water change. Boom. Yes, it's that simple. Beautiful. Keep Keep your filters wet. Yep. You'll be fine. Keep, mm-hmm. it, keep it wet. Yeah, don't try to do other big drastic changes at the same time, like putting on a new filter or stuff like that. Just just do the substrate. Just change out the substrate. Good afternoon. If you want a plant, you say, I've decided I have this tank. It's been set up for about two years. I don't have any plants in it. I want to do a planted aquarium. What should I do? Change out the substrate. Mm-hmm. I will say one little like note at the end. If you're doing dirt... Check in the next day or two to see if you get an ammonia spike. Right. With a lot of plants and good for or a good filter, you usually don't. Right. But dirt decomposes, so when we're pay attention. Dirt, we're talking about planted aquarium dirt substrates mm-hmm. like Amazonia, aqua aqua soil, yeah, aquasolum from aquavitro. I think we should be using the terminology uh, aquarium aqua soil. Yeah, aqua soil. But let's say. 
like regular old dirt like potting soil will work. It's no, no, just no, no, not worth soil. it. It's not worth it. Not potting soil. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do potting soil. Top Don't soil, do it. not potting soil. <laughs> if you're going to do actual dirt substrate, don't do potting soil. Potting soil has those little white mm. styrofoam things in it that float. The little fertilizer yes. bead things. No, it's styrofoam to, Is it really? to hold water. Oh, I never yeah, knew that's that. That's what those things are huh. in potting soil. And that floats. Wow, what is what a stupid idea. It makes a huge mess. You know, Let's take dirt and add plastic to it so it's... Right. Yeah. Okay, anyway. that was the substrate ranch. Yes. All right. But let's That's say garden soils or anything like yes. that. Sir Charles. Not experimenting with plants that work for your tank. I think that's. I think what you're saying there is kind of what Amy touched on a little bit. Yeah, I. I really want to poke at it more yeah, though. Yeah. Um. Because, like, I, I. And I poked at it a little bit when I was like, "Why do you think I like crypts? Because crypts do great in my tank." Yeah. Um. Some uh, other plants, like I, I do really well with. Uh, I don't get browning in my Java fern like everyone else mm-hmm. here complains about. <laughs> I think that's just because I'm very religious with the potassium. There's a long story for that. If you come to the store, I'll explain that sometime. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I know what plants do well in my tanks because <laughs> because I was dumb and slowly started adding plants, and I was like. <laughs> peer pressured into trying plants because of these two a-holes <laughs> and through over the course of four by the way uh yes i did peer pressure charles into plants yes and amy would say the same thing shamelessly shameless yes oh yeah without without question made him feel bad for not having plants and anyway, yeah. you were saying yeah yeah um <laughs> But over the course of, at this point, four years in, I have a pretty good idea of what plants will do well in my tanks and which ones won't, just through trial and error. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, I think that's just part of the process for everyone, because your tank is a unique ecosystem. Um, Like, Java Fern does great in my tank, and our uh, Ellipse tank, it would not. It is not competitive Mm-mm. in that environment. Right. It would be destroyed. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you try a fish and you fail and you kill it, you should feel bad. If you try a plant and you fail and you kill it, you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> That's just what plants do. Yeah. Well, and plants die so slowly <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that it's going to be like, help me. And you get like, a month from that time mm-hmm. to start deciding whether to act. Right. <laughs> so if it's not working, it's not working. It's not working. Try something that's working. Yeah. And I think that's part of the fun point of if you try 10 varieties of plants and eight of them do well and two of them don't, don't try the two that don't again. <laughs> Just get more of the eight that work well. If you do that and it hurts, stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our regulars, especially our, our planted tank regulars, probably get sick of me hearing or sick of hearing me say when we have something new and sorry I haven't killed that enough times to figure out how to grow it well. <laughs> <laughs> like a really fun example, I think at least for like me personally, is so Italian Val doesn't grow in my tank. It doesn't die. No. It just it doesn't, doesn't grow. Everything else that I put in, well, everything else that I have alive at this point, (laughs) 
growing, spreading, thriving Italian Val? I don't get it. Doesn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to the Plants We Hate episode if you want to hear us really get into that. Because oh, yeah. killing plants is a part of growing plants. If you're a houseplant person, you get that too. Definitely. Definitely. Some plants work in some houses and some just don't. You know what? In my little, uh, my little uh, Val shame that I have. Mm-mm. I'm I'm big on like which one is that, right? Which crypt is that? Which one is this? Which one is that? When it comes to Val, don't know, don't care. Is it Italian Val? Is it contortion Val? Is it American Val? Don't know, don't care. Is it Val? Good enough for me. <laughs> you which know we have the- five species of Val in right now. Like. That we know for sure are five different species. Mm, see? Two okay, so I'm confident on three of them. Three of them. Which we have Valgracillus, mm-hmm. which is really just not really mistakable for anything else. It's very, very narrow leaf. Is that the skinny one I have? Mm-hmm. Okay. We have Val Spiralis, which is the Italian Val, the one that looks regular. Mm-hmm. Val Contortion, which is the, the actual really curly one. Mm-hmm. We have some jungle val that I'm pretty sure about. Don't don't we have val americana? I think that's jungle val. Americana is jungle val. Is it? Right? Yeah. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. Jungle val should be really thick and get like four feet long. It's it's but, chunky. Yeah, but with yeah? enough if with enough light in aquarium conditions, sometimes it doesn't grow like that. That's the mm. thing. And then you'll keep it in a tank for a while and then it'll do that. So that's why I'm not so sure. Okay. But it has the texture of it. A couple of years ago, one of the members of the club did a, um, a really quick five-minute presentation on Val and um, what's the sh- Sagittaria mm-hmm. to try and, and get people to understand how growing conditions make a difference. And he grew two different Sagittarias and three different Vals under a whole bunch of different conditions. And he had four of them that he had confirmed were different species that you could barely tell apart. Like you had to, you had to really, the Sagittarius and the Val, you could tell which one was Sagittarius, which one was Val, yeah. if you knew to look for the keeled leaf. Yeah. But the two different Vals and the two Sagittarius, which is which, you couldn't tell. Because he had Dorsage that was confirmed Dorsage that was like 12 inches tall. Right. And he had the other Sag that he had managed to pump in tons of light and grew daughter plants off of it that were four inches tall. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm definitely sure on the gracilis, though. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I know. Somebody out there who loves veils going, I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> no, wait, stop <laughs> listening, but send us an email instead. Yeah, tell me what veil is what veil. I care about so much of that stuff. I mean, like, it's a big deal to me with a lot of plants. Yeah. I don't know why. Plant identification is the most satisfying but infuriating thing. If you can get it right, if you can get something to flower and you know what it is, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that feels better than that. Unless it's Val, then I don't care. Yeah, but if you could get your Val to flower and confirm that, yeah, you would be really excited. But you can't. (laughs) Nope. Did we, didn't we have a kid once correct us on uh, plant identification? Uh Uh-huh. That's some of my favorite things. Love that. Yeah, one of our limnophilos was improperly identified oh yeah that's what it was mm-hmm. yep. that kid got a gold star for the day yeah and a free star <sighs> i love being told i'm wrong mm-hmm. wait where was where were we on that one? that was mine that was yours. <laughs> we were what, at what was the main point 
that oh, plants that yeah okay. experimenting yeah Experiment. Try yeah. it. If you can grow Val, grow any of the 10 species that we may or may not have in stock. And there's really only five. <laughs> I mean, three. I mean, four. Depending which We've got to to. two labeled Sagittarius, too. Two? That's pretty good. Subulata and uh, dwarf, whatever that is. <laughs> I thought dwarf was subulata. It's, we have like a narrow leaf tall Sag. I don't know what it is. I didn't label I that one. Plants are stupid. Guys, <laughs> this is, this is plant. Oh, we're, oh wait, we like plants. We're, we're being Shoot. Recorded here. Shoot. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a, one that seems really obvious, but the amount of times I've had discussions with people about this, um, if we're talking about beginners, got to have the discussion. Buying fish that eat plants. Right. Because it's so common. It's mm-hmm. so like, okay, I have this really cool planet aquarium and I want silver dollars. <sighs> no, you don't want silver dollars. They're alone. What if I just feed them more? No. Then they won't eat the plants, right? Because if they're hungry, I, I don't want my fish to be hungry. If you feed your dog enough and you leave a hamburger out, what do you think? going to eat the hamburger. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? If you keep a lion with a herd of sheep, it will not matter how much steak you give the lion. It will eat the sheep. It's even more insidious than that, too, because those new fresh shoots of things or like things that aren't doing well are so tasty to some things. Mm-hmm. If you've got mollies, your soft plants might be gone. Mm-hmm. If you've got some barbs, your soft plants might be gone. Mm-hmm. Many species of rainbow fish. And that was mm-hmm. one that like I can't find written back up on that, but we have had a number of different species of rainbow fish that just devour soft plants. Yeah. Can you give me an example? Because I didn't know that. Bosmanis, turquoise, and the, the big ones. The big boys. The big rainbows. Yeah. Interesting. Many soft plants. Yeah, and that's what's going to drive you crazy because in tanks with like thicker, vigorously growing plants, they're not going to touch them. That's it. <laughs> but like that, let's say that new growth off of a leaf of Italian valve, that can be really tasty to some things. Some of the classic examples of plant-eating fish that don't necessarily seem like it, red-eye tetras, mm. silver dollars. I had another one and it's gone now and I can't think of it. <laughs> we got to at least say goldfish and African cichlids. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, too many plecos. people try. Yeah. Many Even if they don't eat them, they'll also just beat them to death. Shave. Do you mean rip lake cichlids or African cichlids? Uh, sometimes both. <laughs> Just <laughs> making sure. Yeah, cichlids. my buffalo head cichlids love like the once a leaf starts dying. Oh yeah. But. I would just use them to prune my plants. <laughs> like when, you know, like on a crinum, that oldest leaf always kind of dies off and gets yellow. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they love more than that. Really? Yeah. Mm. That would take care of the yellow leaves on a crinum. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and they would pick algae too because it's easier to eat than plant leaves. True. <laughs> Many of the algae-eating fish will eat soft plants. So that's a lot of the barbs, mm-hmm. a lot of the plecos, even a panagara. Sure. We'll, we'll chew a little bit. Less likely to, but we'll chew a little bit. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I see the flip side sometimes, too, where somebody will come in and say, my fish are eating my plants, and it'll be something like a panagara. And that's, to me, 
okay, but how healthy are your plants? True. Are they growing? Are they eating the live parts? Or are they just eating stuff that's already decomposing and doing their job? There are a lot of fish and uh, shrimp out there that will eat dead plant material. Mm -hmm. And if your plants are dying and you see the creature chewing on the dying plant, that might be the presumption. Yeah. Not necessarily the fact. Or my snails are taking over. They're eating all my plants. That's another one that happens a lot, too. That's because you feed too much. Well, and here's the thing that people need to keep in mind with stuff like that. So plants have this very significant, literally minuscule feature in their physiology that animals don't have. They have a cell wall. Right. Made of cellulose. That's their thing. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about uh, fiber, that is non-digestible cellulose in your diet. Mm -hmm. So that means that plants that are hard with a lot of cellulose mm-hmm. they're a lot harder to eat right when a plant starts dying what do you think starts breaking down the cellulose there you go yeah. <laughs> that's why goldfish can often be just fine with anubias plants mm-hmm. nice hard plants but man do they love duckweed thick versus thin mm-hmm. cell walls mm-hmm. <laughs> very very important detail <laughs> Okay. Good point. Wrong fish. Good point. Here we go. Yes. Research, research. Or come in and ask us. We'll yeah. <laughs> you can okay. hear our latest plant murder <laughs> <laughs> story. Yeah. Plant safe with caution. That's one of my favorite ones. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. All right. I'm going to take us to something that we have talked about okay. a little bit, but like in a more specific way. Because we talked about choosing the wrong plants, but to me, it's not necessarily about choosing plants that are going to work for you in the sense that you're just going to try on a whole bunch of them, but choosing difficult plants when you could choose easy ones. I want something grassy in my tank. I got to go for dwarf hair grass. (sighs) Or, oh, I saw this tank with HCQ, and I need some of that. And... Those are plants that you can grow. Those are plants that need certain conditions. Dwarf hairgrass is going to want high light. It'll really grow better with CO2, but it can grow without it. HC Cuba needs high light and CO2. Or maybe you just want something grassy and you can deal with dwarf sagittaria and pearlweed. Because mm-hmm. both will grow vigorously pretty much as long as you've got the rest of the things we've talked about. A decent plant substrate and a light that can grow plants. High output, but quality. Light. Right. Mm-hmm. So think about if you want to chase more difficult plants, or if you're fine with things that look kind of similar and can grow really easily. Yeah. Choose the easy path. Choose the easy path. As a beginner. As a beginner, sure. Yeah. Almost like know your limitations. Right? Mm-hmm. Like th- those those little labels. I think Tropica does it really well. Where they put easy and mid and expert or advanced. Yeah. Follow those guidelines at least a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. It usually just corresponds to like growth rate and lighting. Energy level. Yeah. Yeah. How much work is this plant going to take? Sometimes things get labeled like that just because they're rare, but you can tell just by looking into what they take to grow. Maybe the specifics of their needs can put them into that category. Yeah. Sometimes I see plants in the advanced category that 
I know that plant, and I know that if you're not using RO water or something to really soften the water, it's it's not going to survive. If there's too much calcium in the water, it's not going to survive. Um, sometimes it's one that, like you were talking about with uh, with uh, HC Cuba, it needs highlight and it needs CO2 or it's not mm-hmm. going to survive. Pogosamin Hellfry is a classic one for that. That one just, it's yeah. such a cool plant. I love it. It's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's one we haven't really totally unlocked yet. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff on the other end of the spectrum. I actually recently uh, learned that Valcinaria, I think it's Val, because um, I've read a lot this week. I'm sorry, guys. Um, can actually use carbonate as a carbon source. Yes. So like it actually. Plants that can. So it actually doesn't do well in soft water because of that. I'm like, weird. Yeah. That's why you can see Valcinaria growing in our rivers. Mm. Mm. You know, this is totally a random tangent, but it's one of those plants that is known to not tolerate flourish excel. Interesting. I, I don't know how that pieces together, but that's a puzzle piece that you might want to churn about a little bit. Yeah. Because mm. even on the Seachem site, it will say, are you trying to grow vals? Don't use this. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so I don't know if that matters or not. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That could be a correlation. Whose turn was it? <sighs> I'm I, really distracted tonight. I was talking about choosing choosing the right plants there it is although i did have a little point in here about ordering online because mm. we talked about all in ones we talked about lawn our like water conditions and how mm. they're different plants that you're ordering online are grown immersed so they're going to go through a little bit of a transitional Transition. period mm-hmm. not if you get them from our site they're grown submerged but mm. you know um <laughs> but they're often grown immersed because they grow way faster that way so you're getting that transition but you're also getting plants that somebody else has grown so buying locally can give you a shortcut to you know these plants do well in your water yeah that's great well that's my only little point on that Mm -hmm. (laughs) what you got charles i have it written down as changing something every two days Mm. oh yeah i like that and i'm like that's a little mean because it's not geared at anyone's particular because I don't, I can't think of a single customer who's done this to me in fresh water. Oh, I can. In fresh water. A lot. (laughs) We talked about this on the reef episode too. Yeah. Yeah. But this one's also important because I have had customers where we're trying to pick apart what quote unquote, what went wrong. And the, sometimes the answer is I don't know because in the last three weeks you've done two different things that are, pretty drastic changes and so i'm like you're gonna have to do some experimenting we have to hone down to one variable here i think in the last episode you said changing more than one thing at once yes yeah yeah plants like to get stabilized and then that's not instant yeah so change something and watch and watch for a while and i was actually very specific in my wording with the reef versus planted one because I don't get quite the same thing happening with my planet aquarium customers. That's usually they change things over time, but plants move fairly slowly. 
Yeah, but freshwater things are typically more adaptable. So yeah. it, there's there's a little more leeway there than there is in a reef aquarium. Oh yeah. But still, still. if you make a change and the next day it doesn't look the way you think it should, that doesn't mean the change wasn't effective. Yeah. Um a lot of things are going to look worse before they get better. Right. <laughs> a yeah. lot of situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is easy to see something like algae and act reactively to that, where when it's a journey, not a destination, like if you are, let's say, upping your fertilizer, well, until your plants really get with the new ordeal, you're going to get more algae. Mm-hmm. Wait a month and it'll start going down. Yeah. But it's a month. It's a whole month almost for stuff like that to actually take root and cause changes in your tank. An old friend of mine and somebody that like helped get me helped me get excited about planet aquariums years ago he used to have this 55 gallon aquarium that he lit with Hyopa T5s because that was the good lighting back mm-hmm. in the day. And he was one of these meticulous people that he, he did routine. I don't do that, right? So he used the yeast reactors for CO2. He had two. Oh, cool. And he would you know, set the yeast reactor and three days later, start the new yeast reactor going and three days later, set the new one. And I mean, he would just, he had consistent CO2 using those yeast reactors. And so his crypts, like he had crypt went dye that his whole, it was not a beautifully aquascaped aquarium because it was just this solid, thick, incredible <laughs> mass of crypt went dye. That was, it was beautiful. Every time, every eight months, he would change bulbs meticulously. What do crypts do when the light changes? <laughs> Melt and drop all their leaves. Melt and drop all their leaves. <laughs> and that was like the routine. Yeah. He'd change all the bulbs. And three days later, the tank looked like this soupy, gross mess. <laughs> and he'd do a 75% water change. And three days after that, you'd see sprouts on all the crypts. And two weeks later, the crypts are back. <laughs> change... My point there was change has an effect. Sometimes it's instantly noticed, like with Crips when they decide to melt. And sometimes it takes a long time for those changes to really take, take hold. Mm-hmm. So, I can't imagine what would have happened too if he had taken that system that was working as it is and is like, I want to make some changes. Let me upgrade to one of those nice LEDs. You know, well, this was melt, before LEDs. But like, people will do it. They'll get a melt They'll get some decomposition. They'll get an algae explosion. And then six weeks later, everything looks better than it did before. Exactly. No? Yeah. Yep. But um, six weeks. What he did was this, the 75% water change. Ooh, yeah. To compensate for that. Yeah. But changes. Hmm. Change is hard. <laughs> change is hard. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm keeping it at that beginner level because a, a lot of times... Um, a lot of beginners get their start walking through big box stores. And I remember a conversation with uh, a rep, a manufacturer's rep from one of the manufacturers that we like when they decided they were going to come out with their own line of pre-packaged plants. And our rep was so excited. And we at that time, this was probably 12 years ago at this point, we at that time were doing a lot of business with that manufacturer and they said, we are going to send you one of the first sample packs of our pre-packaged plants. 
Like, sweet, that's exciting. You guys, yeah, we, we did tons of research on this. We're like, we're really excited about this. Notice I'm not naming the name of the company. That's intentional. <laughs> she sent us these plants and, we, and called us like an hour after we got them. You got the plants, what do you guys think? And I, I almost went, what the beep is that? Like, what did, are, you, are you telling me a it's joke? It's a joke. Right now? <laughs> because it was uh, Lucky Bamboo, a chorus, Drexinia, uh, Peace Lily, and there was one other one. I don't remember what it was. Oh, uh, probably Ribbon Sword or something. Ribbon Sword, and then the Purple Waffle. Oh yeah, yeah, love Purple Waffle. Some of you are going, and what's the punchline? We actually told them we will not sell this product. We will not carry this product. All of those plants, and. Big box stores still sell them this way. All of those plants will die in your aquarium. They are all terrestrial plants. Our rep was was mortified. She went back to her team and said, yeah, we're selling them anyway. And they still pack it. Like, you can still go to a big box store. You can see some of those plants. And they are still being sold to unsuspecting beginners trying to make their first planet aquarium look good. Which sucks because so many beginners think that planet aquariums are hard because they bought this plant for their aquarium that was sold to them right. and it died and little do they know that it's 100% not their fault. Yeah, right. I can't would, even grow the one at the chain store. How am I going to grow any of yours? <laughs> they must be the easy stuff. Okay. See, I told you I was going to rant. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it dies, just buy another one. Isn't that what we're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ouch. We're saying that a little better. But uh, if it dies because it can't grow underwater, that's a little bit of a different story. Yeah, and for a manufacturer to produce plants that they know are going to die, that they know don't work in aquariums, and they all know, right? These big manufacturers, they're not stupid. They're yeah. full of a bunch of people that do a bunch of research. They do market research, but they also have people that do actual <laughs> research. Oops, we accidentally labeled and packaged a thousand of them. Right, every every week. And shipped them all to big box stores and local grocery stores. And all the calls about them and just never, uh, they just missed our voicemail somehow. Uh-huh. And we conned, uh, and we sold uh, to our happy customers. <laughs> exactly. All right, so if you, if you are an actual beginner thinking about Planet Aquarium and you thought, hey, top five beginner planet mistakes. Make sure the plant you are buying for your planted aquarium is a true aquatic. That's the buzzword right there, right? Actually, I would not say even true aquatic. Make sure it's a swamp plant because, like, crypts aren't <laughs> technically aquatic. They can just... They, they can do. transition, though, and you will find crypts growing underwater. Yeah. In nature. Uh, no, what I'm saying is that when you're talking as a botanist, there's a distinction between what's a true aquatic and what can grow underwater. Uh, like, so a true most aquatic, aquatic be something that only grows underwater. Yeah. Most aquarium plants go both ways. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. a lot of aquarium plants are technically not true aquatic, but they can grow submerged. So <laughs> for all intents and purposes, as an aquarist, they are. Okay. As a submerged growth form. There we go. I like it. Thank you. Here we go. There we go. Good one. So this isn't even my next point but you're really getting me fired up here so it's making me want to talk about it because 
I almost want to put tissue culture plants in the same category. Oh, I hear you. Because <laughs> if you want, if you for some reason have like a deathly fear of snails, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a true phobia of snails, tissue cultures are for you. If you want to get a bunch of a rare plant and you know you can grow it, tissue cultures are for you. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a planted tank and get it started and grow plants with no drama, please don't buy tissue culture plants. They, they can be tricky. They're grown immersed. So like the thing we were saying before, they're going to have a dieback and a regrowth most of the time. Mm-hmm. But good mature plants do better. Tissue culture plants have changed the American plant hobby in particular. Absolutely. In a good way. Because there were a whole bunch of species of plants that we couldn't get. So the FDA and there's one other of those an acronym organizations that control what can and cannot come into the United States. Uh, Fish and Wildlife. I think that's the other one. Um, but I think it's the USDA that's I don't know which <laughs> They are extremely particular about what condition a plant can come into, into the United States in. And it's at the point where uh, I've heard stories of people trying to ship in plants, and um, they're all nice and washed bare root plants. And a, an inspector picks up a plant and finds a speck of soil on the plant. The whole box, the whole shipment is destroyed, confiscated and destroyed. The dude carrying the plants could have muddy shoes from Thailand. Right. right? But if there's a speck of soil on a plant, boom, it's gone. Nope. Cannot import it. Cannot bring it into the United States. And it's, it's, it's the point where the plants that we have here for a long time, we couldn't get new plants because no one could economically and safely ship them here because of the risk from inspectors of trashing the whole thing. Tissue culture plants are grown in lab-grade agar. Am I saying that word right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is amazing science. It is. It's amazing science, amazing technique. It's, it's really, really cool. They can document that they're coming in without any foreign substance that would put up a red flag. Mm-hmm. So that's why many of us have seen this explosion in the variety of plants we've been able to get since tissue, tissue culture plants came out. But wow, are they a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, if you want 20 booses for $20... Get a tissue get, culture. Get a tissue culture. Yeah. If you want a tank full of plants, don't even worry about it, really. Mature plants are better. Oh, they do so much better. <sighs> it's at the point where we had our, our Tropica rep call about... Uh, a batch of tissue culture plants that we got in mm-hmm. and asked us, he said, hey, so how'd those do for you? I said, you know, they, they did okay. Um, you know, there's a couple of them that are, we, we sold quite a few and we tend to get tissue culture plants in and they come in and about half of them sell in two days and the other half of the batch doesn't sell. Doesn't matter what size batch we order. It doesn't matter what the variety is. It just tends to go that way. And when I told our rep that three weeks later, some of our tissue culture plants were still alive. He said, wow, you're doing really good with those. Yeah. I'm like, how are we supposed to, as a store, gauge how much we're supposed to 
to keep in stock. Yeah. If even my rep is saying you got three weeks and they're done. Yeah. And how are you at the very end of the supply chain going to be like, yeah, these are good. <laughs> yeah. See, I've been very quiet because I actually really love tissue cultures. There's just a lot of science behind it. As a retailer, they kind of aren't ideal because those tissue culture setups are designed to be, it's not a home. It's a, it's a seat on a plane. It's a transport, a transport vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, you wouldn't want to be on a plane for three weeks. You know what I mean? Like at some point you're going to start snapping (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with plants. Like they aren't meant to be in that. So like tissue cultures, they are meant to not be a permanent situation, but all the science leading up to that makes me love them. And I love what you can do with them. Just the big drawback is you have to move them quick. And you it's, see them right when you get them. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to establish them. I've sold probably 15 or 20 HC Cuba tissue cultures, and I have never seen a picture of a tank with HC Cuba growing in it. I think that's an HC Cuba problem, though. Maybe, but people want it, and people want it in tissue culture. Yeah. When we have Monte Carlo, they want it, but they want it in tissue culture. Mm-hmm. We've had really good luck with um, Crips, funnily enough, and... Uh, Oh crap! Um, oh, the booses, the booses yeah. have done really well. Uh, I think I've got several uh, customers that are regulars that have done well with like rotalas and amanias and tissue cultures. Those have done well if somebody buys them quick. Yes, yeah. and I think a way to think about it is fast-growing plants versus slow-growing plants, right? And plants are either growing or dying. One of the two. If they're just sitting there not doing anything, they're not. They're dying. They're dying. Yeah slow growing plants die slower in that little tissue culture there's a very limited number of nutrients and there's a very limited amount of space so if it's a fast growing plant it's going to use up those and run out of those much much quicker yeah that all said i still think i like tissue cultures but i'm okay with being wrong yeah well i think that they're cool but we just spent a couple hundred bucks on new rare plant like mother specimens and that kind of thing for our plant lab. The only ones that aren't thriving and growing were tissue culture. Only and, ones that aren't thriving? Yeah. And that's pretty typical to my experience with yeah. them. Yeah. Everything else is doing good. Everything else I is doing great. Out. Everything else has new growth on it. Sweet. Tissue cultures are shriveling up and dying. <laughs> so whatever that yeah. is, maybe that's something we're missing. To me, it's not worth the drama. Just get good, mature, submerged plants right away. Yep. When you can. When you can. Yes, some of you are in those aquarium deserts out there, and I feel for you. Let me know what you need. Yeah, we'll figure out how to send it to you. If it's in the U.S. Yep. We had a guy from Canada stop by the other day, and I'm like, I wish I could send you plants. Canada's not very nice. No. I did hear that it's easier to ship plants into Europe than it is fish into Europe. And in the States, it's, the United States, it's, it's the other way around. Like, it's much easier to ship fish in than it is to ship plants. I have heard that. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. Where were we? I oh, think you, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> that was my half rant. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. Not at this table. My feathers are already ruffled. <laughs> Not doing your damn water changes. 
<laughs> so well, many planted tanks don't need water changes, oh God, do they? Me absolutely batty. I am so. I actually had a conversation about this recently where someone asked me, and I'm not going to name the YouTuber. He's a big fan of this YouTuber. And he asked me, because we do YouTube, he was like, what do you think of him? And I I hate these conversations because I feel the need to be honest. And I said, I don't like his content. And when he, like, he kept poking at it and he was like, why? And I'm like, because I'm not into those quote unquote balanced aquariums. And (laughs) here's the thing. My a big portion of, earning my degree was ecology. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that, and this is why it's so shocking to me. It took me so long to start thinking of my aquarium as an ecology, <laughs> but thinking about what's going in and what's going out of a system. Where is that energy going? Where are these nutrients going? How do these nutrients turn over? Where are they coming from? Blah, 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 all those variables. And let me tell you, closed systems don't work. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to in this conversation talk about let's say the ecology of the planted aquarium. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. poor Diana Wallstad's good name has been used oh, so yeah. many times to justify so much neglect. Right. She figured out what it takes to take make a balanced aquarium, and that should tell you you can't do it. Not the way you want to. Oh right. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. If you have enough plants in the tank, you don't need to do water changes. No, read that book read and that tell book. me that that's what she said, because yeah. it's not. Yeah, that's not at all what she said. Every time somebody has come to me and said, I haven't done a water change for a year. Check out my tank. It looks great. And my response is always, wow, that looks pretty good. I can't imagine how good it would look if you actually took care of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing water changes, you're not just, and this is very critical, especially in a planted aquarium, you're not just removing waste. You're not exporting an excess of nitrates and phosphates. For example, in my tank at home, I mentioned, uh, well, one of them, I'm only dosing potassium. That's because in that tank, that's my off-season breeders. So they're (laughs) being fed well. The tank is getting heavy water changes to account for that. That means the minerals are being replenished Every time I do a water change, except the potassium, because that's not in my tap water. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not just removing stuff. You're adding stuff in. When you're talking about in fertilizers, that whole laundry list of random minerals and things that need to be added. Yeah. All those things are in tap water in some concentrations. Your plants need all of them, but you're not going to know which ones. Do a water change. Then you'll have them. You're also redistributing stuff. You're changing currents. You're changing the way things flow in the tank. You're you're shaking things up. Opening up the windows and getting a fresh breeze. Yes, that's a perfect example. <laughs> I remember that. You know that feeling the, when you when you're driving down the road in the spring, mm. and there's that first day you're like, I think I can open my window. Yeah. And you do, and it's a little little bit chilly. But you open your window anyway, and you leave it open. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's not about temperature; it's about fresh air. It's about fresh air. It's not about what's in your tank and what the plants are doing. It's about fresh water. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying. 
you may be testing your uh, nitrates and phosphates, but you're definitely not testing your copper, your manganese. cobalt, your manganese, <laughs> your and I'm going to tell you, I'm sulfides not sulfides and sulfates, which is something <laughs> that I think is a. Uh, under underappreciated in an aquarium. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to do my water changes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is the easiest yeah. way to dose your tank. And yep. export stuff. I have every, and I say this without question, without like qualifiers, without XYZ, every single planet aquarium I have ever seen that doesn't get a water change in X period of time, I have always thought, Wow, it would look better if it was getting at least a monthly water change. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that the couple of takeaways, right? Jeff Miyake was just here, and uh, he does sixty percent water changes once a week for his competitive aquascaping. To get to that level, yep, that's what you need to do, right? But that YouTuber, if he was sitting across from me, anyone that has ever sat across me and said, I haven't done a water change on my tank in X number of time and it's just fine. Imagine how much better it would be if you actually did water changes and I guarantee you it would be better. Mm-hmm. Don't we want our fish to thrive? Yeah. Yeah. It's a cumulative problem too. It's not going to yeah. be one until it's too late. If your boron, you know, your boron concentration needs to be a certain amount and it reduces by 10% every month. Well, after 10 months, it's zero. What do you do to get it back up to 100%? Mm -hmm. Your math is fuzzy, but your point is taken. (laughs) Yeah. My, uh, how do I drive this home? My aquarium, I mentioned that I have, uh, I don't get the weird browning that a lot of people here get with job. And I mean, specifically employees here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all complain about job. We all complain about job fern. <laughs> the one tank I don't get that in is the one that's getting 50% water changes every week. <laughs> water changes in potassium. That yeah. fixes a lot. Yeah. Just do it. Just, Just do, it. do it. Maybe we should like say, Water changes in potassium. Drop the microphone and walk out of the room. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we could have started this conversation with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Planet le- tanks can be really easy. Thanks for letting me rant on that one, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm out. <gasps> that was it. I have... No, I'm, gonna, I'm going with this one. I'm going with this one. Old lights. Oh, mm. uh, do you mean like... Like, uh, do we want to break this down? Like, how long has it been since you changed your fluorescent bulb? Oh, you still have a fluorescent? Right. <laughs> Old lights. Old lights. Yeah. I, uh, I have a confession to make. You still have a fluorescent? I just got rid of my last fluorescent. Wow. And, uh... It's the same tank with the java fern. It's the same... It's the one in the living room. Let me tell you. Alyssa has been making a lot of comments about that tank in the last week. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. A full spectrum LED makes things look better. Lights. Good low light is better than crappy high light. Amy, just say that again exactly the same. Good low light is better than crappy high light. Ah, perfect. I love it. Yeah, go get some grow house LEDs. Sure, see how much algae you grow. Yeah. Back in the day when we had um, 
Allies. Mm. You know, that was like, that was the best. You could tell when your halides were going because you were growing a smoke ton of algae. Yeah. You could tell when your high peak T5s were going because you were getting a smoke ton of algae. LEDs are awesome. LEDs are awesome. Aren't the, what are they, uh, Ecotex on the 220 reef? I know this is not planet. 220s, those are AIs. Yeah, aren't those like seven years old now? They do have 26s on them. Yeah, those are... At least five. At least five. Oof. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't had to think about it in five years, so... I genuinely ask because those have been with the company longer than I have, and I genuinely have no idea when you got them. They look great. They do. They still grow. I want to grow plants. What kind of light do you have? Uh, Just a regular one. (sighs) You didn't tell me a thing. You said a regular one. Oh, it's a good bright one like these. Yeah, it's just as bright as that. <laughs> okay, here's a little fun fact, everyone. You are not capable of perceiving brightness. Your brain only perceives contrast. Thank you. If you are not putting a light right next to the other one, or you are not actually using some scientific instrument to measure the output, you do not know how bright your light is. The easiest, most intuitive example of that is a flashlight during the day feels like nothing. Uh-huh. If someone wakes you up in the middle of the night while you're camping in the middle of... Ah! <laughs> it feels yeah. blinding. Yeah. And it's really easy to take that information and be like, it doesn't matter what light you choose or it's impossible to choose. But we talked about it earlier. <coughs> Follow the right blueprint. Yeah. Buy the light that the person who has the tank that you want to grow the things that you want to grow, get that one. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Get that one. You know it works. <laughs> you know it works. I can't. Somebody comes in and says, what do you think about this light? I have no idea. I haven't grown anything with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, par is a great reading. Kelvin doesn't mean anything to me. Wattage doesn't mean anything to me. Full spectrum, and it can grow plants. LEDs are hard to judge. It, they're harder to judge than the old high T5s that we used to use. But here's something I do know about LEDs. And yes, I'm biased because we sell lights. You get what you pay for with LEDs. There are cheap alternatives that work for a while. We did some experimenting with uh, what are referred to as the Chinese black box lights, right? Like the cheap Amazon Mm-hmm. Reef lights. We haven't done those experiments with the cheap Amazon plant lights. We've done it with reef lights. And we've had about six of them go through. Three of them work great. The other three don't work anymore in a short amount of time. The aqua illumination AI, the, uh, the aqua illumination Hydra 26s that are on that 220 downstairs. Those have been going for six years. Yeah, we couldn't remember how old they were. Right. That's not to say those are going to last forever, but they're going to last longer, and if they don't, they're going to be backed by a company that's still around. I totally understand trying to figure out how to do it on the cheap, and sometimes that's what you got to do. Just remember you're doing it on the cheap, and it might not long-term be as cost effective as you think it is. If you can learn to accept some algae, you can get away with a lot of stuff. 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't like algae. No, algae is ugly. <laughs> right. So then don't try and get away with things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well done. I was like, set that up and hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. You want to know my uh, favorite? This is still on the light, but it's not about the plants. My yeah. favorite comment uh, Alyssa's made about the um, the new light. The albino cory cats look opalescent. And I took a second Ooh. look and I said, they do. <laughs> what light to put on? It's just a lifeguard. Nice. That Those full spectrum, though, in the right yeah. ratios yeah. makes fish look I didn't, so much better, mm-hmm. too. I didn't want anything fancy, but I just mm-hmm. wanted a full spectrum. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Beautiful. Dang, did it make a difference, though. I love the lifeguards. I love the twin stars. I love anything Castle does for Planet Aquarium. Mm-hmm. AI. I mean, if you AI want controllable, great. AI is the way to yep. go to me. Yep. Their freshwater light and their saltwater lights are both great. Yeah. Um, my ultimate planet aquarium, it would have twin stars on it. Yeah. Yep. I think uh, if money was an issue, I'd go straight for the ADA ones, but that's... <sighs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, such a sexy name. <sighs> it's so nice. I know. And you know it's going to be better. It's going to be hard for me to figure out how but you know it's going to be. Like, the construction's going to be there. Yeah. Twin Star just came out with an RGB, though. Yeah, I heard about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Although, controllable to me is overrated. It's not that it's controllable. It just doesn't have the white. Oh, oh. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if only they could come out with a reefer. Yeah, I know, right? We need just, that. We need a, or just a pure blue. I'd take that. Yeah, exactly. I'd they take it. They do stick to what they're good at, which I have an appreciation for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Light. <laughs> there we go. Beginner plan of mistakes. Yeah. Light. The stock light that comes on your. Look at the aquarium kit I bought from my big box store. That's just a regular LED, right? No, that's not a regular <laughs> LED. That's a light that makes fish look pretty. Maybe. That does not mean it's going to go fast. That is the light that it came with TM. Around here, that means low light. Yes. <laughs> if you want a good planet aquarium, get a good light. Mm hmm. Or learn to be okay with Val's Crips, Wisteria... Anubius. Anubius. Yep. You can have an amazing tank with that, too. You bet. You bet. Funnily enough, uh, from personal experience, I can tell you, you can do an entire aquascape with just Crips. You bet. <laughs> no doubt. And um, then the I, light that it came with TM is just fine. A little side note about low-light plants. That doesn't mean they need low-light. Oh, yeah. It means they can take low-light. Mm-hmm. I've seen... Fantastic highlight displays with Anubius and Crips and Mysteria. <laughs> you can and start. They grow very, very well. Crypt Spiralis is one of my favorites for that because yeah. you can start getting some weird colors from them yeah. in highlight. Oh yeah, the Tiger Crypt in highlight. Oh, that's a gorgeous we got point. that Crypt Spiralis Tiger, and it came in bright green and about ten or twelve inches tall. Mm-hmm. And we've I put it under a Twin Star S. Ooh. which is really, really high. Oh, yeah. And now it's bright red with stripes and the new growth is coming in about four or five inches. Grr. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Plants are crazy. Oh, I love it. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. We talked about light. We talked about dirt. Mm-hmm. We talked about plant choices. We talked about water changes. We talked about fertilizers. Are you guys out? I have one more. Do you? I have one more too. I, I only had five with an alternate. And I think two or three of mine we talked about ahead of time. So, yeah. you know. I had like five plus. Yeah. <laughs> I had to come up with a few on the fly because Amy over here keeps stealing mine. <laughs> well, my last little one is pretty simple. 
so i can i can talk about it pretty quick if we want to just kind of knock it out there and move on yeah because i put down failure to propagate failure to propagate yeah because some people don't think far enough to realize that you're gonna have to trim your plants eventually Mm. That's why you need a watercolor aquarium gallery aquascaping toolkit. I know. So oh, wow, that came around so fast. <laughs> like three months into their tank that think they failed because they're like, you know, my Ludwigias look really good, but just at the last six, six inches and the whole bottom of it is dead. Okay, well, trim off the dead part and plant the good part and you're good. Propagate it. You yes. won. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Well, my plants are growing across the surface. Now what? Trim them. Take some out. You have too many. Yes, trim them. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when your planted tank is going well, you're going to need to remove some plants, and yes. that's a good thing. You have done well. There you go. Mm-hmm. Propagate like it. it. Java, Java moss, pull out a handful every week. Yep. Bring it to us. <laughs> yes, please. We please. really need some more. We're short on it. Always. Always. Uh, you said okay. you got one more? I do. Um, here. I think this will impact better if you read this line yourself. <laughs> okay. I just made a really red, strong X there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I'm going to intro it, and then I'm going to let you read the line. Yeah. Right? The Planet Aquarium hobby has grown to this amazing thing. And there are some people out there that dedicate, I'm going to say it this way, they dedicate their entire lives. The most important thing to them is to make the most incredibly beautiful planted aquarium they possibly can. And they spend a tremendous amount of time creating this thing. And then they spend a tremendous amount of time setting up the ultimate photograph of this thing that we've created. Okay, now you read what you said. I wrote down word for word, verbatim, expecting that Instagram planet aquarium to be less than three hours of work a week. (laughs) Right. Yep. So, Uh, uh... last podcast we did was with Jeff Miyake as our guest and it was super fun and that guy is a dedicated professional aquascaper and he is amazing at what he does the tanks that he enters into an aquascaping competition he estimates that he has about 500 hours worth of work into that aquarium and that aquarium is set up for six months. Yeah, yeah that's all information I knew. The mm-hmm. information that like had never occurred to me, which this is another miraculous. My dad used to be a professional photographer. Yeah. And it never occurred to me how much editing and post a lot of those photos get. Mm-hmm. And that's not like, oh, it's, you know, Instagram reality. It's being edited. No, that's just how photos are made. Yeah. And how and the difference between someone who says, "Hey, I have this really fun planet aquarium in my house," versus I'm a competitive aquascaper. Mm-hmm. My planet aquarium at home, it would never even 
come close to getting a rank in an aquascaping contest. But it's I a kick-ass love, planet tank. I love my yeah. planet aquarium. I'm very happy with it. I, I know what my expectations are, and I've set them accordingly. I do know that if I decided to do a competitive aquascape, I think I might be able to, to rank. Yeah, like you could get your act together and yeah. do the thing. I'm not going to put that much work into it. Right. It's, it's not going to happen. Not for your house. No. Not for my no. house, for not sure. Not even for the shop. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The amount of time and effort that Jeff Miyake puts into one of his award-winning competitive aquascapes is an amazing level of de- dedication that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Please, Jeff, keep doing it. Yes. If you want to do that, man, show us how you're doing it. Show us the work. Oh, I, I love, love it. I love it. If you don't want to put that much time into it, you can still have an amazing planet aquarium that you are going to be very happy with. Mm-hmm. Keep those expectations where they are. <laughs> it was really notable to hear us talking about Twin Star. And when talking about Twin Star with Jeff, he's like, oh, they're fine lights, but the photos just aren't as crisp. They're and too yellow. That's not what I think about when I think about good lights. I think about how much are my plants going to grow? Right. So pictures you're seeing online are pictures. Right. Carefully crafted. Tanks, remember the, the one that, uh, oh, who did the, uh, we, we went to the Aquatic Garden Association Convention in 2019, and uh, they did an aquascaping demonstration. Oh, that was Dennis Wong. It was Dennis Wong, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. If you looked at that from the side, it looks silly. If you looked at it, even from the wrong angle, it looked silly. Yeah. If you looked at it straight on, it looked absolutely incredible. Yeah. I remember the first time I was like, I'm going to really throw myself into an aquascape. Mm -hmm. This is a six gallon tank. I'm going to do it up. (laughs) Like I'm going to, I have time to aquascape a six gallon tank professionally. Right. And I I crafted, it took me hours, like this great hardscape. It looked really cool. I'm talking about that little arch tank. Oh no. Weeks, weeks. Yeah. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom came to visit and I was like, here's what I did, mom. It only looks good from one angle. And she's like, well, isn't the real skill in making it look good from multiple angles? Get wrecked. Mom, <laughs> 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 it's hard enough from this one spot. <laughs> but yeah. in the tank at home, it should look good from any, tank, any place you sit in my living room. Right. But if I'm going to take a picture, totally different. Totally different. My tank looks really good sitting next to my stereo. My oh, yeah. Table. Oh, yeah. Or from that, that bar. Oh, yeah. It's great. Either oh, way. Either way. I, I wouldn't change it. That's such a cool tank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could change it. But I love it. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one, Charles, because I think that that's, that's uh, it's almost like, you know, what the beauty industry is doing for self-image. The um, uh, aquascaping contests are doing for what we think about planet aquariums and what they should be. But, man, just do something fun and be happy with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get some good growth. Play with it. Have a ball. Actually, uh, if you don't, if you'll give me a second. Seconds up. This guy. He's flipping through 20 pages of notes. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
uh, I actually wanted to, I wrote this down word for word from Jeff Miyake when, because uh, mm. you had asked him, uh, like, what would be your advice to people who want to do aquascapes? And he just said, just enjoy the hobby, reconnect yourself with nature. Oh, I love that. Yeah. He didn't, yeah. he didn't give this long rant of like, this is how you make the perfect. <laughs> Here's he, a mathematical formula. <laughs> no, he's, he basically yeah. just said, make the hobby what it needs to be a hobby for you. Yeah. Uh, that reconnect with nature thing, I think is, don't understate that. Oh yeah. That, all right, so this Christmas, so I'm a real Christmas tree guy. I'm going on a little tangent here. I, I understand that, right? Um, I am a real Christmas tree guy. I like a real Christmas tree. I don't want a plastic one. I don't want a fake one. And uh, this group decided to do a study on what effect a plastic tree has versus a real tree versus no tree. And why? And it was all about that reconnection with nature. And there was a notable, quote-unquote, measurable happiness level with people that have real trees. And it was, it was correlated to people that live in cities as opposed to live in rural areas, right? That if you live in a city and have a rural, real tree as opposed to a plastic tree, it was a measurable, elevated level of happiness because of that real tree, that connection to nature. That's what these planet aquariums can do for us. Mm -hmm. That's why my planet aquarium in the basement of my house does something for me. Because it's that connection of real, growing, living things in my house. Just a little box of light and life. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's amazing that that's what we get from mm -hmm. all corners of the world. Mm -hmm. A box of light and should write that down. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Charles is getting his pen out. A box of light and life. Yeah. That's good, Amy. What a happy thing. I know. Connection to nature, light and life. Well, this was a good one, guys. I'm going to end it because I don't have one. Yeah. No, I'm so done. I think... Uh, I love talking about plants. This was fun. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see the response on this one. Right. Because for what's to me the most relaxing satisfying part of the hobby planted aquariums has a lot of contention in it it does I, we we do planet tanks and reef tanks here i mean we don't have plastic plants we carry very few fish that eat plants mm -hmm. sometimes some people walk in and go well, they don't have a whole lot but man we have so much yeah i think we have over a hundred species of plants in stock right now yeah, i know we have more than 50 in the basement alone <laughs> Takeaways, light and life, connection to nature. Grow plants when in doubt, grow more plants. <laughs> Be all in. If you say I want to do a planet aquarium, then 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 do it. Mm -hmm. Get the right substrate. Get a light. It doesn't there are some amazing the lifeguard light that, that Charles was talking about. That is not a two hundred dollar light. It's a reasonably priced priced light. But do that. And do the plants and have fun with it and experiment. <laughs> We've got a YouTube channel and a TikTok too, guys. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. You know where to find us. Check out the Watercolors Aquarium Gallery Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook too. Apparently, we're going to maybe try and put some uh, aquascaping tools on that. 
Yes. And I'm, I'm definitely working on adding more plants to our website. We are growing way too many here right now not to sell them online. So that's the plan. I like that. That's a good plan. Did you, did you, did you get the shameless plug there enough? Watercoloursaquariumgallery.com. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Once again, with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the feeling I've got, Charles. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Let's have lots of fun and keep those hands wet.